Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Football is back, and so is Cash the Ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni every week this fall. That's picks, parlays, and that's sweet, sweet value. Cactus included on all the NFL and college football matchups. Full breakdowns on the biggest games, but if you have a life, you don't have 45 minutes to spare, we've got you. We're the most on-demand podcast. We're catered to you and the teams you love. That's Cash the Ticket. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105 Through the Fan. Uh, he is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network, where uh, if you were listening to the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network on Saturday, you would have heard him and his uh, wonderful analysis uh, from a 28-23 to loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, I, I mean, I guess I'll just lead off with this, Brian. Uh, convince me why this team isn't going to go 0-17 based off of what we thought, <laughs> um, you know, the other night. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, doom and gloom, here we go. Uh, no, uh, the the best thing about this game was, other than Malik Jefferson, it appears they got through it without any type of injuries. We'll see mm-hmm. how Malik is, you know, as uh, the team is now back in Oxnard. Uh, they're not going to have a, a practice on Monday. I think it's more what they call it a re- regeneration day. Is that did I use the right yeah. term there? And so that that was a, actually a tough trip talking to some folks that were involved, uh, you know, with the way team probably should have come in on a Thursday instead of a Friday like they did and then have the ability to kind of get through some things. But, uh, you know, the, they got through it. Uh, again, Malik Jefferson, really the only thing with the foot injury that we need to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, but that overall, some of the things that we talked about, uh, that we were looking at the wide receivers, the linebackers, the offensive line. Uh, you know, I think we got uh, some answers on some of those uh, particular players and those positions. So um, overall, um, it, you didn't get the win, but you do get the evaluation, and for the most part, you got your health. Yeah, which of course I, I'm I'm being sarcastic when I when oh, I, I know think, you are. Yeah, no, I know. I'm I'm letting I'm letting anyone out there know who, who's <laughs> going to freak out me saying that. Uh, wins and losses, you're right. Wins and losses do, do not matter at all uh, in this stretch. It's about individual evaluations of guys, and 
This yeah. is a this is a process, essentially a a four step process of trying to figure out uh, you know what you have in guys, and this is basically step three. So when you get to camp, you see certain guys in practice, and and you may feel a certain way about them or see how they play. And then the second step will be, okay, well, let's put the pads on. Let's see how they look once the pads come on. If the pads come on, it still looks good. You say, okay, uh, let's head into some game action in the preseason, see how these guys look, see if it carries over. And then when you're done with that, it obviously reaches the regular season, and that's kind of step four of like, okay, is what we've seen through these you know, different steps throughout uh, training camp is what we saw real, and then you'll find out come the regular season. But the step three process on Saturday night was important for a few guys. I know we had talked about them. Um, Jalen Brooks, uh, Jalen Tolbert, Deuce Vaughn, um, you know, just different guys out there to see what they what would carry over from these practices into the game. Uh, maybe guys who would step up into the games as opposed to the practices. So, Brian, just your 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 big takeaway. What what, what was your, your biggest positive and negative takeaway coming out of this game? I was really worried about the backup offensive linemen in this particular game. And if you really watch how they were able to perform, it was it was a struggle initially when it was Jacksonville's ones against you know your twos and threes. Um, having to, to deal with that, that you know the offense wasn't as you know good as it needed to be. But when it turned into twos versus twos and threes versus threes. I felt like that the Cowboys' offensive line was on a little bit better uh, footing. Um, I thought the drive right before the half was really good to get points, the protection, you know, the ability they got put behind the uh, they got put behind the eight ball. We'd say as uh, you know on the um, on Tolbert's penalty, so they had to fight through that, uh, and you know, it, so it was one of those things that. When you watched, like I say, when it was evenly matched, you, you felt like that you got some really, really good evaluation uh, for the, the most part there. I know there was a lot of talk about Mozzie Smith and how he played. Um, I thought there was some really some good stuff from him, especially down on the goal line. There were some things down there where he was able to play with some power, uh, getting rid of some guys, uh, making some plays. Uh, you know, So that was a positive in, in that light. Um, yeah, but again, there's some times where he's a little slow off the ball. Uh, he tends to play a little high. And, you know, I think that's part of him having to learn how to play. Uh, so I, I don't think it's anything where you're just, you know, you're just completely throwing in the towel after one game and saying, oh, this guy can't do this or can't do that. There's some things that you saw that were really super positive. You mentioned the wide receivers. Uh, you know, the I felt like that I don't know if, if – if, Brooks suffered a little bit of some inaccuracies with some throws. Uh, there were a couple of slants that went his direction. You know, he had the one catch. You know, but if you look on the other end of things, you know, we saw something a play from Turpin on that on that uh, drive before half. Uh, you know, we saw some things with Tolbert that we really really liked. The linebackers, I thought, played as a position as a group the best of the of the of the lot. And yeah. So that was positive in that light. Uh, I think the missed extra point in the kicking game, you know, that's kind of what got Brett Maher fired was his inability to miss, uh, make extra point. You know, uh, the other extra points were made. A field goal was made. You know, I'm not saying that uh, there should be full on panic, but 
man, you know, 33 yard field goal, pick your hash, left, right, middle, you know, you got to find a way to make those. So, you know, that's something that you kind of was hopeful that it would just kind of go through and everything would be fine and all the operation would be clean. The turnovers were clearly uh, an issue because it, it hurt them with opportunities, you know, to potentially get points. But overall, I, like I said, I feel like there was a lot of positive to to go with. I was glad to see Simi Fajoko, uh have an opportunity to kind of rally back and make some plays uh, when given the opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I think the more competition that you have at that position, the tight end position is another one where it appears there's going to be – I'll say something real quick, Bobby. I know I'm talking a long time right now. No, no, have at it. I, but, but, the floor is yours. But, yeah, but I, I know somebody out there will complain that I'm talking too much. The uh, I'll fight them for you. I'll, I, I, will, I will fist fight them for that. you, Brian. appreciate that. appreciate that. had an interesting conversation with somebody not involved with the team, but a media member, and we were discussing uh, about uh, Hendershot and – is Hendershot doing enough to where he would be a guy that is he a bubble guy when, you know, they, people like to talk about McEwen and how do you get the number of tight ends? You know, you're going to keep Hunter Lipke. You know, these are all kind of things when you're thinking about numbers. But I, I had not thought about, you know, a Peyton Hendershot being a guy that might be on the bubble for this team. Interesting. You know? and, and so, you know, hey, guys and gals out there it's just thoughts it's not we're not sitting here trying to sabotage careers and stuff like that but if you if you really 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 dive in on things you know is Peyton Hendershot a guy that could be uh could be uh susceptible to you know somebody like Stevens having a a more of a role could he be a guy you know when you look at, uh, you know, when you look at Ferguson, when you look at Schoonmaker, is Peyton Hendershot's roster spot something that might be in question going forward as we uh, as we have uh, two more preseason games? Yeah, that's an interesting one to think about because he he struggled last year with the drops. I mean, that was something that that definitely was a problem for him. Uh, you know, in the back half of last year and. There were times where it's it's plagued him a little bit during uh, training camp. I know there was an interception. I believe it was Eric Scott on one of the first OTA practices we went to. It was a, a drop from Peyton Hendershot um, that he he was right there to to pick it off. And Hendershot was a little the the word I keep using for it when talking about how how the tight ends looked during the practices we were out there for in Oxnard is anonymous. Like a lot of the the tight ends felt anonymous to me, and Hendershot was part of that. I remember somebody said tweeted at me I think the third pad of practice like hey how's Peyton Hendershot looking and it was honestly kind of surprising me it was the first time I sat there and thought oh I have not one time noticed or thought about Peyton Hendershot while we've been out here and it it, it kind of made me take a step back and go wow that, that's interesting that he's maybe having a little bit of a down year but I, I hadn't thought of it in the terms of maybe he could be a guy that's on the bubble but yeah if you've yeah. got some tight ends that could play really well I mean they do like Sean McEwen um yeah they like Jake Ferguson, obviously, and they've drafted Luke Schoonmaker. So if one of these other guys happens to show a lot, you remember Peyton uh, Hendershot last year was that undrafted free agent pushing guys potentially off of the roster. He's he's certainly not somebody who's, you know, uh, just above that or immune to that if somebody else comes up from behind and, and really doesn't. John Stevens yesterday, 
had another good performance. Uh, you know, you know that that when we talk about you know practices to the padded practices to the preseason games to the regular season, Stevens is somebody who has now checked all of these boxes, including the preseason game now. So it's interesting you bring him up as a guy, Hendershot, that maybe that's somebody that we should be watching a little bit closer. Um, in terms of the positives, because I agree with you, the offensive line was concerning for me. Um, it, was, it was just as rough as you were maybe expecting. Jalen Brooks, it was tough to get an evaluation. I need to talk to some folks and, and figure out what their read on it is maybe inside the building because I felt like I felt like there were a couple times where Brooks was – was just his play. There was some bad quarterback play that maybe impacted yeah. him. Could have been he was not in the right spot on that one throw. Will Greer through to the sideline. Right. There are things that we have to check out. Um, but in terms of the positives, how encouraged were you by what you saw from Jalen Tolbert? Because even on the offensive pass interference, which I thought was weak, um, even if you you grant them that flag, I think you still saw okay toughness, my ball mentality, catch radius, uh, sideline awareness. You saw things on that play, that 30-yard reception that was wiped away. You saw things there that said, that that's the guy. That's South Alabama, Jalen Tolbert. That's who I saw on tape. No, I think that uh, I'm glad you brought all those things up because you're right. When you watch South Alabama tape, you saw the ability to adjust the football. You saw the body control. You saw the balance. You saw the swag. You saw all these things when you're dealing with a player like this. And, you know, I, I get why. There was some talk about drafting him in the second round uh, of that particular draft. There's people that absolutely love this kid. And, you know, if you look overall, they've given him a clear path. You know, they didn't bring any real competition in. You could talk about Brooks in the seventh round, but they, they did not. I mean, you know, if if you remember Bobby during the draft shows leading up, you know, uh, Kyle and Aisha and – me, you, you know, Zach, we were all talking about maybe a wide receiver, you know, at, at 26. Maybe they're going to, you know, maybe one of these wide receivers are going to fall. And they, they never really entertained that that I heard about. So they were giving him a clear path. I think that that, that drive to me was one of those, I think it was a, a, the, the, the sigh of relief drive, if you want to be honest about it. it the way that... He was able, you know, that's a two-minute drive. They're not changing out personnel a bunch. The wide receivers are having to run. They're basically running 40-yard dashes, you know, to try and get open. And, you know, with not a lot of time, not a lot of rest in between plays. And so for him to go out there and finish that one off, really nice design. I mean, we didn't see a whole lot of – you know, you know, scheme, creativity, but man, that was a good route, good design, the ability to draw the safety away to open up the middle of the field and for him to run the route at the right depth and then plant and then get back inside. And then, you know, with Will Greer to make the throw, I, I think that was a, a very, very key moment for him because he had to show some toughness of running continuously. He had to finish. He had to run a good route. These are all things that, you know, you got to feel like a little bit of the weight of the world has been lifted off him because yeah. there's a lot of folks in, you know, Cowboys Nation that have called him a bust, 
You know, there, there are a lot of people that have been very critical of him. And he had to live with that really the whole year. And then he had to live with it the whole offseason. And, and it just shows you that the Cowboys, the front office, they had faith in him uh, that he could get it done. And the coaches had the faith that he could make the play when he needed to make the play. And uh, yeah. that, that, that part of it, I think, I think that helped him. We, you know, when you had a chance to visit with him in the postgame, uh, yep. the, the, the conversation that he had with you and others in the media was you could tell he was, you know, he, he was confident that, okay, now I could start playing some football. You know, that's the, type of, that's the type of game that I need to bring every single week when I show up. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, Patrick Walker, I know who you do uh, Cowboys break with over at DallasCowboys.com. Um, Patrick had done a profile piece on him recently for DallasCowboys.com, and Jalen Tolbert was very direct and very uh, frank with him and said, you know, my out of 10, my confidence level last year was probably a 2. And, and that, I mean, I think you could see it. There, there were some really – you know, as we've termed him on here before over the summer, there were some middle school football mistakes from him last year, just a basic stuff of like just lining up correctly. Um, and, and so it was, it's something where I think his confidence got so shattered that he started making mistakes that you just don't see. And, and so the confidence was going to be a big part of the equation for him. And he was even, uh, you know, acknowledged, I, I, I believe he told Patrick his confidence today is probably at like a six or a seven. So he's not even riding this full wave of confidence. He's still building it back, which obviously takes time. But, man, that's something that I think has got to help. Even the flag getting taken, you know, taking away that one pass, I think that's big. The fact that when he catches that touchdown, who was the first person there on the sideline seeing him? It was Dak Prescott. It was Brian Schottenheimer. And them telling him, you know, that's exactly what we need. That's what we need to see from you. So very positive performance from Jalen Tolbert. And and hopefully I I think we feel like the – the confidence aspect of it is as big a part for him as the schoolwork or the athleticism or, or anything else. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, guys, uh, I got to tell you really quick uh, before we go on to anything else about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I've, I've been telling you guys about him for several weeks now. Brian and I both have. Uh, we love seeing you guys send us those photos on social media of you guys hanging out out there, uh, enjoying a cold beer, enjoying some wings or a burger or whatever else. Uh, it warms our heart, and I know it warms Boomer Jack's heart. Uh, we're glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as we do. I keep telling you guys specifically about Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Tuesdays are half price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half price boneless wings, but they've got great deals the rest of the week as well. 
Drink special starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, and it is the coldest beer anywhere around. And it, it's just the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for, you know, a happy hour spot for you and your coworkers, Boomer Jacks is perfect for that. If you're looking for a nice dinner spot for the family somewhere to unwind, it's a great spot too. My kids love the tableside s'mores that they bring out there. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, Boomer Jacks, man, wall-to-wall TVs. And I mean that literally. The TVs fill up the walls at Boomer Jacks. You are going to be so glad you went there. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, some other guys that really stood out. I know uh, just from from talking to some people, uh, you know, we all had this sense watching the game, but I know just from talking to some people around the team uh, in the last 24 hours, Man, DeMarvian Overshone made a big impression. You mentioned the linebacker specifically. Damone Clark was also, I think, very good. But DeMarvian Overshone, you know, as somebody I talked to had said, you know, when when he goes in there on that third and one on the second drive, first or second drive, and he makes that stop in the hole on Tank Bigsby, as somebody with the team told me, they said, that's not a small guy. He just stood up in the hole. That is is a guy whose name is Tank. Tank Bigsby, he stands up there. And you know what it reminded me of? I I don't want to get – too aggressive, not nearly the stakes are the same or anything else. But Brian, it did have a little bit of the, uh, you know, the brick wall feel of Ken Norton on third down against Kenneth Davis in Super Bowl twenty-seven. He comes in the hole and he just stands him up and pushes him back. And I didn't know if Demarvian Overshone for all his athleticism and everything else. I never looked at him as that's power. That's the ability to just you know form tackle and stand somebody up. So that was really positive right there. And I know you had mentioned it on Twitter. He's still relatively new at this position, linebacker playing this full-time. He, he yeah. was recruited to Texas as a defensive back. The instincts have been really impressive because those are those are sort of innate, and you don't know necessarily if he's going to have those. And when you see him on the field, there is a, a clear trust from this coaching staff in him. He's the one doing the pregame hype speech, which is unusual for a rookie even in a preseason game. Um, but, man, I thought DeMarvian Overshone was fantastic in this game. Yeah, and as you mentioned, all the linebackers I thought played very well in this football game. You know, their ability to get to the ball, the ability to finish. When you looked at the tackle sheet, you know, they were all uh, all their representative. But with Overshone, what I worried about him, Bobby, is he's super aggressive. And I yep. was worried about, okay, are we going to see those zone or those outside zones where he's just – when they're going to run the ball and he's going to have to, you know, he's got to fly outside and can he, can he maintain his, his balance and then figure out a way not to overrun the play, not to let the ball come back behind him. Because you're right about Tank Bigsby. When you watched him play at Auburn, that was a downhill player. A lot of guys in the SEC had trouble tackling him, short yardage. He was always a falling forward, working forward guy. So, you know, for him to get that opportunity to make a play in the hole like that, I think showed uh, it showed really good awareness. It showed where he needed to fit. Uh, you know, again, the, the thing you worry about a young player is overrunning a play, being too aggressive. And the way it opened up, he was right where he needed to be and was able to finish. But he was also showed the ability to cover. He showed some sideline to sideline in him. And I think the most important thing is his ability to finish. You know, that's what you need with these linebackers. You know, you got to have guys that, you know, when they get in that position to make a play and to make a big play, they find a way to finish. And, and he did a, a really nice job of that right off uh, right off the jump in this first preseason game. They are, they are so excited 
about DeMarvian Overshone as a coaching staff, as a scouting staff. Uh, and, and look, I'll be honest, I, I'm a uh, University of Texas Longhorns fan. Hook them. Uh, it's our year. I, I promise. It, this year, it doesn't matter if Alabama knocks out our starting starting quarterback because we got two of them behind Quinn Ewers that are better than anything Alabama can throw out there right now. And Malik Murphy and Art Manning, we're going to be ready, Brian. But with that said, I, I think we even talked about this on the draft show at the time. I was not a, a huge fan of the overshone pick. Um, I, I, I like his, his work ethic. I like his football character. Those were all big pluses for him, but I, I felt like you, there was a little bit of guessing at times. Um, shoot, we see, we mentioned his name already on this podcast. That was Malik Jefferson's entire MO at Texas was, was guessing. Um, and so I, I did feel a little bit like, okay, he, he felt like he had kind of underwhelmed a little during his time at UT. And so, and I didn't see anything on tape that really flashed and said, oh, this is, this is a stud. Like that was a guy I, I would have felt more comfortable taking on day three. And, you know, Mitch LaPointe told us one, one of the, the very higher ups in the Cowboys scouting department had told us, man, that's my favorite pick of the draft, DeMarvian Overshone. And that, that's a guy who I, we would have been interested in taking him in the second round. We think so highly of him. And you're starting to see it now just with the, the leadership traits, the football IQ. I mean, the fact that it's not normal, like I said, for a rookie to stand up there and give you the, uh, you know, the pregame speech. It's not normal for the rookie to get the green dot slapped on his helmet in the fourth padded practice or whatever it is. Um, and so just a lot of encouraging aspects there to DeMarvian Overshone and what he's done. The other linebacker we mentioned in there just a little bit, uh, Damone Clark. Uh, what did you think overall about his play? And I know you guys actually had a chance on the G-Bag Nation to talk to Clark, um, you know, out there at training camp and, Eric Chiafalo, one of your co-hosts and the, the pregame co-host on the Cowboys right now. Yeah, I felt like, uh, you know, when you looked at when you looked at where Clark played and, and everything else. Yeah, the, I think the thing with Clark, I, I really uh, was super happy for him. Uh, you know, and I, I think it was this time last year, we weren't even sure that Damone Clark was going to be playing football. We just didn't. I mean, it was one of those. It's a Brett Brown miracle. Yeah, it's it really is to the fact that they found that he had a physical problem. They were able to fix it. Uh, the, the kid showed tremendous toughness to fight back. Uh, Britt Brown, one of the best you know, uh, rehab you know guys in the league. Uh, you know, he's a damn good trainer. I mean, his people trust him. He's hard on these guys, but he gets them to perform. And he gets them back, and and that's the most thing. And and so to me, you've got to have that kind of understanding as a player. And he's got that toughness. And he was a really good player at LSU for us. Super proud of the way he played at LSU. And so for him to, and you know, last year when he was on the field, um, I felt like that Leighton Vanderesh really helped him as much as he could. You know, there were yep. some learning, there were some learning curve issues that he had to deal with. But he, I mean, you watch him now, they totally, they totally are on board with just putting him out there and letting him go. You know, I mean, it, it used to be with, if he didn't have Leighton, he was kind of a confused player. He might not have reacted in a quick enough manner. With Anthony Barr, I didn't think he was as good because, you know, Leighton was helping him along. But you don't, you don't see that as much. You don't see him. I mean, it got to the point now where we're watching practice and they've been working with Leighton Vanderesh as an edge. You know, Leighton has gone down and worked with defensive line on pass rush stuff. So that just tells me that if they're going to use Leighton Vanderesh as a 
a down rush or a potential edge in some situations that, you know, that Damone Clark is one of these guys that's going to have to play the linebacker role. He's going to have to be with the other, uh, the safety nickel linebacker guys. And he's going to have to handle that responsibility. And he got put in some situations yesterday, too, dealing with the run, sideline to sideline stuff, having to find a way to get these. I think Jacksonville's got a good group of backs when it comes to running the ball. I mean, there was no slouches when they, you know, they were handing the ball to guys and the Cowboy linebackers were getting in position to make plays. But, you know, he got thrown in some coverage things, too. I mean, now, I will say this. Uh, you know, the interception that uh, that Wanye Thomas had, he was having to carry a guy. There was some separation there. You could see a little bit of some separation. You know, he got caught in a coverage situation where he was having to chase. You know, but fortunately, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you know, tried to make a play and then, you know, Wanye Thomas was there. But for the most part, though, everything that he was put in or asked to do, I felt like that he was he was on top of what needed to be done. and I, And that's – that is so much of a different um, way of playing as maybe what we saw last year when he was really kind of not unsure. He was playing unsure, uh, you know, without Van Der Esch in there. Now Van Der Esch not with him. You've seen, uh, seen him. He's learned a lot uh, in this last year. Yeah, I, I think that that's, you know, incredibly encouraging right there, especially because, the, honestly, linebacker depth has been something that I think we've had a sneaky concern about, yeah. uh, you know, heading into this camp. And so – for you to see Overshone and Clark do what they did, and you already know what you have in Parsons, and when he's healthy, you know what you have in Leighton Vander Esch. I, I think that that was incredibly encouraging. Uh, two other quick players I want to touch on uh, before we jump into the mailbag here, Brian. Uh, obviously, the star of the night, the star of the game, Deuce Vaughn. Um, you know, put on display the the shiftiness, the elusiveness. You saw the pass catching ability. I mean, with a better throw from Will Greer, he walks into the end zone uh, on that Texas route. Um, you know, the, the question has never been the elusiveness or, or anything like that in terms of that. That's not a thing where you even have to ask, is this going to translate? You know that that shiftiness, that elusiveness he puts on tape, that's an NFL trait. Though Those are absolutely NFL skills that he has. The question obviously is about being 5'5 five, five flat and, and, and will his frame hold up? Um, but I mean, all the things that you believe will translate at the next level so far have, and, and I don't think that's a surprise to anybody, but your overall thoughts on how Deuce Vaughn looked. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, we've seen a lot of games, especially where we live here in uh, big 12 country where Deuce Vaughn, uh, has been super productive in big games, you know, in, in Kansas state and nothing against Kansas state. But, you know, when you watch them play, they've got a good team. You know, they're an eight, nine-win team when they play. And, you know, the talent level there is is good. It's probably not good Oklahoma or Texas or, you know, has. But it it's good. It's a talented football team. And their best player is a guy like Deuce Vaughn. And, you know, the, the fact that Deuce Vaughn – Deuce Vaughn got selected where he did because he's 5'5". Five, five. You know, yep. if you – if you if you really challenged scouts to evaluate him and say evaluate him but don't look at his height don't look at his height there's scouts that would have had him a lot higher that you could watch him on tape is he is he the fastest guy can he run away from people no but can he is his initial quickness and burst enough 
to buy him extra yards? Absolutely. Balance, body control, ability to spin, ability to make guys miss? Absolutely. That's something you saw at Kansas State. And, you know, the thing that the thing that's been you could always watch from Deuce Vaughn's tape was his ability to catch the football. You know, his ability to go up and get it. He 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 did a really nice job, as you mentioned. You know, if they if if Greer had time, a little bit more time, you know, he had to kind of float that ball a little bit because he was feeling a little pressure. But, you know, that's it was a nice play. It really, really was. It was a great route. His ability to break down the linebacker, get inside, create open space there, separation. Those are the things that Deuce Vaughn does, you know. And, uh, you know, he's – they're going to have to try and find ways. Uh, is he going to be a special teams guy? Can he – I think – and I've said this a bunch, Bobby. I said it yesterday on the pregame show and a little bit on the postgame show, I think. The, the thing with Deuce Vaughn, who's whoever the third running back is – that's probably going to have to be your primary special teams player, you know, because there's things because of his height that limit what he can do on special teams. You know, he that the punt the punt return opportunity that he had, you know, he, he just when I watched him in Oxnard, I don't feel like he was totally comfortable getting under punts. And then he had that one opportunity with the ball bounced. I'm going to say it's like around the 20 maybe around the 20-yard line, you know, 18-yard line, or maybe a little bit more than that. just can't remember the exact spot, but it's one of those things where if you get over and field it, the ball's right there on the 20, 22-yard line. Instead, it bounces and it ends up, you know, right around the 10. You know, that's just, you know, and and if the ball's going over there, I mean, the one thing he's got to learn to do is just – He's got to run, get himself set up, and then make that catch. I'm sure it's something he would like to have back. He probably didn't want to, after they'd had some problems on that, you know, on that punt return before where they fumbled. He probably didn't want to give up another play, you know. But I just feel like though his his value to this team will be offensively to create opportunities, the swings, the Texas routes, the screens. You know, things like that, they they will figure out ways to use him where he, you know, and I don't think I don't think the fact that he played late in that game, you know, second half, I don't care who he's playing against. You can play him against the ones, you can play him against the threes. It doesn't matter. This guy's gonna find a way to make plays. He's just he's a football yeah. player. That's really what he is. Yeah, and, and to your point you mentioned the reason he, he got picked as late as he did is because he's five five. That's exactly uh, why it is. I believe I know I did this on the air. I don't remember if we did this here on Love the Star, but just as a refresher, you know, I, I reached out to three personnel guys across the league outside of Dallas, and I remember I just said, "Hey, uh, we all feel here in Dallas like this was not a charity selection. You know, this is this is a legitimate football player." Just curious what your thoughts were. This was one quote I got: uh, "Definitely not a charity selection. Uh, change of pace back with vision, athleticism, and a solid pass catching skill set." He went in the right range. Second guy said, had him in the fifth round. He's got incredible COD. That's change of direction. Change of direction, yeah. Quick mental processing, zero fear running inside. Incredibly tough, plus pass catcher. Size limits how much you can have him on the field. Sometimes a bit too eager to bounce it outside instead of letting things develop in front of him. He'll stick, though. Uh, And then the third guy I talked to said, he was late day three for me. Had some backs I liked more that didn't get drafted. Love the elusiveness, but size and athletic imitations are just too significant for him to contribute in a meaningful way. Not for us, 
but went around later than I thought he would. So a lot of positivity. Everybody feels like he is a legitimate player. Last guy I want to throw out here before we get into the mailbag, Brian, because I know you had noticed him mention him, and we've taken a fair share of kicking him on this show, and I know I've kicked him elsewhere. But I know you you thought that Calvin Joseph did some decent things in this game. Yeah, I sure did. And I went back and I watched him this morning and just to focus on him. And I felt like there were some things in coverage that he was able to do. You know, and when when you ask Kelvin Joseph to stay with somebody. Now, the problem with Kelvin Joseph is and, and he, you know, he's he's going to be a little handsy. He's going to be a little grabby. But the way that he was able to show up in this game and they've asked him to do some things in coverage on the outside. They've asked him to play a little bit on the inside. I kind of felt like that Kelvin Joseph was he wasn't a liability back there. You know, and they've they've had it was yeah, there was some tough there was some tough sledding for some of those guys, you know, in the in the second half. I mean, I think that I, with Eric Scott, you know, playing he's used to playing off and stuff like that, but you know, there was a lot of space on the outside with those those twos and threes. You yeah. know, there were too many times where, you know, it's like uh, I think uh, Mandel was another one that they kind of picked on a little bit with some space stuff. But uh, with Kelvin Joseph, I, I'm, I'm not willing to give up on him. And I know a lot of people are. And I, I just feel like, though, that if he's one of these guys that could have some success, you know, if he could have a little success, knock a ball down or two, don't get called for some penalties, you know, just play in position – I feel like he's got that kind of ability. He hasn't played a whole hell of a lot of football, and I, and I get it. He's there's things in the off field stuff that you know people are like. Oh, see, I told you, bad guy, this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like, to, be, like, to be honest, like, he, yeah. he hasn't played a lot. He hasn't played a lot of football in large. He brand. hasn't due to things he's done. It, exactly. No, I, and I'm not trying to. And trust me, LSU guy, Kentucky, you know. But I kind of feel like though, when you watch him play, there are things that he does that you're like, okay, that's good coverage right there. Okay, look at him run with the guy. Look at him turn with this guy. Look at the guy try and shake him. Can't shake him. You know, I I just feel like, though, to me, I'd put him out there and just keep playing him. You know, these you got two more preseason games. You know, find find out really what this guy is all about. You know, I mean, he's – I felt like yesterday that there were a couple of times when I watched him and going back and watching this morning – where it's like, okay, that that's that's a good rep. Oh, that's another good rep. You know, usually you think, oh, well, he's a liability out there because he's going to make a stupid mistake. He's going to get a holding penalty. He's going to run into somebody. He's going to do something that's make a boneheaded play. But I just felt like yesterday was a, a pretty decent day for him having to play some pass coverage. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that he, he definitely stepped up. That's what you want to see. And he yeah. struggled during training camp so that that's definitely what you want to see there you are listening to the love of the star podcast the love of the stars and odyssey podcast you can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast all right guys uh, i gotta tell you really quick uh before we go on to anything else about our wonderful partner here at love of the star it is 
Boomer Jacks. I've, I've been telling you guys about them for several weeks now. Brian and I both have. Uh, we love seeing you guys send us those photos on social media yeah. of you guys hanging out out there, uh, enjoying a cold beer, enjoying some wings or a burger or whatever else. Uh, it warms our heart, and I know it warms Boomer Jack's heart. Uh, we're glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as we do. I keep telling you guys specifically about Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Tuesdays are half price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half price boneless wings, but they've got great deals the rest of the week as well. Drink special starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, and it is the coldest beer anywhere around. And it, it's just the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for, you know, a happy hour spot for you and your coworkers, Boomer Jacks is perfect for that. If you're looking for a nice dinner spot for the family somewhere to unwind, it's a great spot too. My kids love the tableside s'mores that they bring out there. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, Boomer Jacks, man, wall-to-wall TVs. And I mean that literally. The TVs fill up the walls at Boomer Jacks. You are going to be so glad you went there. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. Got several questions this week. First one here uh, from, I believe this is a first-time asker, uh, or first time we've gotten to their question at least. Uh, Javier Alvarado is wanting to know, uh, he says, surprised Devin Harper is not being talked enough, talked about enough in terms of making the 53. He seemed to be all over the field when his number was called. Do you think he can make it to the team as the fourth or fifth linebacker? Yeah, I do, and I don't, you know, I mean, to me, all those linebackers played well. I mean, and I even know that Jabril Cox. All right, this is just me. Okay, I, I, the, I'm here, there, there. If I was in personnel for the Cowboys, I think I would try and find a way to, you know, and maybe because he's a little banged up with the foot injury, that maybe uh, that Malik Jefferson is not going to be available for some stuff. I, I'm all about Jabril Cox getting opportunities now. You know, I'm I'm all for Jabril Cox, you know, sink or swim. You know, throw him in the deep end. Let him let him get some of those early reps and you know, see where he's at. Maybe maybe he can't play. Maybe he can play. But all these linebackers I think did a pretty pretty nice job. And Harper's just like in the mold of what, you know, what we we've seen with these linebackers in yesterday and in what we've seen at practice. They all run real well, they all tackle well. They're in position. You know, he's he's definitely part of this. You know, got to stay healthy. But when he's getting opportunities, I feel like he's done a pretty good and pretty nice job. And, and it, it showed up yesterday in that game. Yeah, and I, I think that Harper is somebody who – what you really love about Devin Harper is the athleticism. Um, and that's something that really shows up. This is actually a very athletic group of linebackers with Overshone, yeah. Clark, Parsons, obviously, Harper – uh, I mean, th- these are guys who, if you can hone their skills, you, you've got – they definitely have a type here in Dallas with their linebackers. They like the freak athlete type of uh, linebackers. Uh, question here from John Lindauer. Uh, John Stevens was a wide receiver in college, not a tight end. Could he become the new Noah Brown, a special teamer who can catch the football and block in the run game? Might he make the team as wide receiver six? We talked about tight end cutdowns and how that might be difficult, Brian. Is there a spot for John Stevens if they're, they in their head say, hey, maybe we count him more as a receiver in our group? I kind of feel like, though, that he is one of those guys that, to me, you know, he, he I leave him at the tight end spot. You know, I mean, I, I, I've, got enough, I've got enough going on at wide receiver for four, five, and six to kind of figure those out. That's why I mentioned the conversation I had with a, another member 
that another guy that watches his team about Hendershot. You know, is 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 Hendershot? And you know, we t- we've we've heard of plenty of the people last year that really loved Hendershot. You know, we've heard front office, coaching staff, everybody has talked very positive. There's people in this organization who probably thought that Hendershot was better than Ferguson. You know, but I, John Stevens to me is like. I, I you know I don't think about the Noah Brown thing with him. I think about him, you know, him being as that tight end guy. You know, teach him to block, put some weight on him. You know, if if he makes the team, develop some strength with him. You know, make him make him a legitimate player that way. But you know, he's he's done a, he's done a really nice job. You mentioned it in the opening, Bob. He he's he's practiced well in Oxnard. He took it from the field in Oxnard to the field at AT and T. I, I leave him at the position at 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 uh, at that tight end spot and try and develop him that way. I think he could be even more of a weapon playing that type as that type of a player. Question here from DJ Major. He says, "Did uh, Awesome Richards' performance surprise you? Seems like he was pretty good. I know there's some split on on Richards. There were some people who thought he played really well, others who thought he struggled a great deal. But overall, what was your, uh, your your thoughts on how Richards played? And I know this is this is your guy. This is one of your pet cats. Yeah, it's one of my pet cats. And I know I got some people were, you know, I think John Owning and others were, you know, comment. I initially thought that when the sack that he gave up was him being laid out of his stance, he was fine out of his stance. Uh, the, the hands clearly were laid. I know Duke uh, Mayweather was uh, – uh, Talking about that, uh, you know, was that something that you were, you know, is, you know, that's something he pointed out. Um, I don't think Will Greer did him any favors. They're trying to throw the ball quick to the outside. Uh, it was one of the tight ends. It might have been, it might have been Ferguson. I'm trying to think exactly. I can't remember. It was one of the tight ends. But they're trying to get the ball to the outside. Greer holds the ball, and if he gets, lets it go, it's not going to be a sack. And then everybody's talking about Greer drifting, but it's him holding the ball. And I, I get that, you know. But to me, if, if in fact Richards had set – I mean, if he gets his hands on the defender, on the rusher, this is probably a moot point. There's probably not. But he didn't. He didn't. And I did, didn't feel like he was in great position when it happened. I felt like initially like, wait a minute, he kind of maybe got tired. He took a playoff. You know, all of a sudden, like, you know, it's, it's you know, young guy struggling a little bit. But, yeah, when you watched him play, you know, there were some things he did really well at tackle. The sack was, you know, I mean, he gave up a couple of pressures. The uh, – the but when he played guard, felt like that there was, you know, again, when it was twos versus twos and threes versus threes, it, it evened out for a lot of these guys. You know, the, the level of play evened out. And I think he was one of those guys that – that that kind of worked out for, but I but I think it's unfortunate that he that the sack you know, like I said, Greer they're going to say he drifted, maybe he needs to get rid of the ball. That's you know depending on how you feel. I just know that he needed to be in better position because he gave a path right to the quarterback, and they're saying well he could have pushed him by if Greer would have stepped up. Well Greer's trying to throw the ball quick from the platform he's at. You know, and so he's gotten a move to try and get in it. You know, the receiver breaks late, it's open, and then boom, it's too late. But, you know, if Awesome Richards, who I absolutely love, trust me, I'm, I'm cheerleading for the guy. I'm the guy that thinks that, 
you know, if he's it, one day he's could potentially be your right tackle if they don't sign Terrence Steele. Loved him in North Carolina. Told Will McClay I love the pick. Will told me he's like needs to get stronger. You know, but this guy is a really, really good athlete. You know, I'm not trying to uh, to hate on the kid at all. I'm just trying to say initially I thought he was slow out of his stance. That was fine. The hands were bad, and Will Greer didn't do him any favors by not getting rid of the ball when he should have. Uh, next question here from Smicky. Uh, he's saying, what players on the bubble didn't show up as much as they needed to? Um, and conversely, I guess we can talk about guys on the bubble that that maybe did show up in, in a better way. I know, like I said, you mentioned earlier, uh, Simi Fajoko. That's a guy who's on the bubble who, uh, honestly, right now is probably on the outside looking in. Um, but but I thought that he played well. Um, you know, Malik Davis, I was I, I thought Rico Dowdle was better than Malik Davis. Malik Davis had a, a blitz pickup that he he kind of flubbed. Yeah. And then, um, you know, a couple of we, we've talked about Turpin and I think Turpin's on the roster right now, but Turpin fumbling the punt. I, anybody that stood out to you as guys that, man, you, you really needed to see more from them yesterday as they're on the bubble. I think Hunter Lipke is a guy that's clearly on the bubble. And I, you know, if Hunter Lipke can do more than what he did, what he's done, I felt like at OTA's mini camps, they've given him a lot of opportunity to, to be that guy to, you know, hey, he got a lot of work. Uh, I wonder if he's done enough uh, to be able to, you know, and he got two more preseason games, but I wonder if Hunter Lipke goes from being a guy that everybody had on the 53 to, uh, maybe this guy's just really a practice squad guy right now. I kind of felt like uh, that. I felt like yesterday actually TJ Bass played a little bit better than you talk about kind of a bubble guy. And I know that they really do like Brock Hoffman. There was some a good, lot. They yeah, like him a lot. There were some good things with Brock Hoffman. You know, like I say, twos versus twos, threes versus threes, kind of a thing. Um, you know, it's those are kind of the bubble guys right now. You know, I don't know. Did did Jalen Brooks and we could again maybe another show, maybe another time. I don't know if Jalen Brooks. It people are talking about that it. it he got sped up yesterday that he's been practicing at a level where it's been very comfortable for him to practice and he gets open and he makes plays and this, that, and the other. And they're saying yesterday in the game, he got a little sped up and it it affected the way that he played. We'll see interesting practice this week. If in fact that, because I don't think it was necessarily a great game for Jalen Brooks considering that, I'm trying to figure out, is he the five or the six, you know? And he, he might not be either. You know, he might be a guy that's kind of a, you know, a practice squad player, and that's really what he is. But it'll be an interesting week of practice, and it'll be an interesting game against Seattle. But there's some people that feel like that he got sped up a little bit, and that affected the way he played. Yeah, and I mean, also, like we mentioned earlier, and we'll have to talk to some people, see if we can get a better idea of it, but I know that, you know, he's at a lot of these practices where he's been out here showing up and, and doing really nice things. It's been, you know, it's been with the ones, which is encouraging in terms of going against the defense. But it's also you've got Dak Prescott that's thrown to you and you are Could very well be the case. Yep, You have the benefit of other receivers on the field taking away a lot of attention. And so uh, th- that's, I'm sure, part of it. But 
Definitely one of the guys to watch really closely there. That does it for us today on the Love of the Star podcast. Uh, We will have a game coming up this uh, upcoming weekend against the Seattle Seahawks. Another week of practices out there in Oxnard. Then they will be back in Frisco. Brian and I uh, will be present for as many of those as as humanly possible and and bring you all the info that we can there. Uh, But for Brian Broaddus, I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again next time.